Love with a hole down the sideline. Can he get there? Blake the Great. Touchdown, Wolverine. 30 yards. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little college football is Reed Wallach, host of the Early Reading, contributor with BetSighted. Reed, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. I want to start by talking about college football futures, because as I mentioned uh, on the show yesterday, I, I've been having these holy crap moments as far as how late we are in the calendar, as far as college football and just about everything else. We only have three Saturdays left before we have have to have our playoff field ready to go so keeping that in mind is there still value out there as far as conference winners national championship futures uh team to make the playoffs anything like that yeah i think we're at a point where you can start to simulate out a few games and you can start to predict okay well if this team wins and then that team loses who's knocked out and so on and so forth so if you want to go through those exercises, you can start to find some value down the board in terms of who's going to make the playoff. When it comes to national championship, I still think it's going to be either one or two teams. It's going to be either Georgia or it's going to be Michigan. Uh, I think with the rise of Alabama, Georgia, if they get in, is probably the most likely team to win. But they also have, in my opinion, the toughest game left on a neutral field against Alabama. Looking at conference champions, though, there's one team in a group of five conference that I think is going to prove this weekend that they are the best team in the conference that they're going to win. And you can find that number at around like five to one, which UNLV It's a team I was on preseason huh. to win the Mountain West. They have been on a rocket ship this entire season. I, they lost to Michigan, no harm in that. And they lost to Fresno state on the road a few weeks back, had two goal to go drives in the fourth quarter to take the lead. They got stopped twice, including dropping a point blank touchdown. They play at air force this weekend who has lost two straight, uh, quarterback Zach Larrier might not play. They didn't have their starting running back either in that game. I think UNLV goes to Colorado Springs and beats Air Force, beats San Jose State in the finale at home, and then they host the Mountain West title game. Again, you get like five to one. I think team is on the rise in the Mountain West and peaking at the right time. As long as you mentioned the dogs, uh, let's talk about Georgia-Tennessee this weekend. Georgia laying double digits. Uh, you like anything here? Haven't pulled the trigger yet, but it's Georgia or nothing for me. I mm-hmm. I think there's still some residue on this Tennessee team from last year's team that had Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, and all that real high-powered offense. That's not this team. Zero threat of a downfield passing attack. Joe Milton is completing less than 30% of his downfield throws of more than 20 yards. So if you want to try and go long sustaining drives against Georgia, by all means, you could try. You're going to come up short. We just saw Ole Miss fail to do it. We've seen every other team fail to do it. I think Georgia's really starting to peak at the right time. I don't think there's enough time for Carson Beck to get himself into the Heisman conversation, but if people were more interested in how good this team has been on offense in spite of injuries, I think he would have a worthy case, but ultimately that's going to come up short. That being said, I think Georgia could really put Tennessee behind the eight ball. And, you know, Tennessee's going to struggle to keep up. So it's Georgia or nothing for me. I, I think this point spread's pretty correct at 10. Moving to the Pac-12. And the big question that remains this week is, will Oregon State derail Washington's college football playoff hopes? 
you, you'd think based on everyone's commentary that it's a done deal, right? Oregon State's favored in the market and, uh, you know, there's no way Washington's going to run the table. I'm starting to think, though, I, I think the game is a true coin flip. You can make a case for either side, so I don't have a lot of conviction on the side. But I do wonder if the time for Washington to lose was during that post-Oregon lull where there was rumors of the flu and there was rumors of a Penix rib injury and they nearly lost to Arizona State and Stanford. Like, those were the games they were supposed to lose. Now, they look great against USC. They put up 52. They get past Utah in a seven-point win, but probably should have been more than that. Now they go to Oregon State. Like, what if Washington got over the hump and they're back to healthy and this high-powered offense can test a poor Oregon State secondary that struggled against any plus passing offense they've seen this year? I... I'm not rushing to light Oregon State as a favorite in this one. I bet the over myself because I think there's a case for both offenses to really have a strong afternoon. Potential rain in the forecast in Corvallis definitely hurts the Washington side. But I just wonder if this market – like it's almost like they're writing off Washington completely with Oregon State <laughs> now laying two and a half. This, if this gets to three, I'm going to have to play Washington. I, I don't know if it will ever get there, but if it does, I'm going to have to play Washington. What was it two yesterday now at two and a half? So definitely it's something to, to be mindful of, something you don't need to pull the trigger for just yet. Just make sure to, to keep watching there. Uh, how about we uh, stick in the conference and go with Utah and Arizona? Arizona's been a bit of a surprise, at least to me anyway. Uh, they're one point favorites at home against Utah. There's a little bit of juice on Utah plus one and a half, plus one. Uh, totals 45. What do you see here? I bet Arizona. I, I, it's like a, you can find like minus one on either side. It's a, it's a pick em game, right? I like Arizona. Yeah. I think Utah second straight road game. It's been a real tough year in terms of injuries. They've been moving safeties over to running back. Guys have been banged up everywhere. Meanwhile, this Arizona team, arguably the most impressive team when we look about preseason expectations versus what they've been. And while the defense was, terrible last year and they lost all their great players to power five transfers the team continues to get better and better on the defense side of the ball and they're winning in multiple different ways they're beating physical teams like oregon state and ucla but then they are rallying they're rallying on the road to beat you know more high-powered offenses like colorado as well so i think arizona back at home they're the better team in my opinion i think they could force utah into obvious passing situations with a top 10 rushing success rate defense and I think Arizona ends up getting this done and they continue an outside shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. Mm. What if, I, I want to talk about spot plays a little bit here because obviously sure. next weekend, huge rivalry spots for a lot of these teams. Some of them playoff implication games. Ohio State, Michigan's the one everybody's been counting down for. And, and Michigan comes off the first time all year they've been tested. Like this is your old school sandwich spot against maryland i'm wondering if you buy into that at all michigan favored by 19 and a half and like, i guess you could make the same case for ohio state in a, a look ahead deal against minnesota mm -hmm. if you want to go there but really asking for the about this michigan one i if it was a different team i'd say yeah i could see michigan coming up short but if you look at what they've been doing in conference play that like early season where they were kind of just like walking through the motions and winning by 30, but not to cover the 34 and a half point spread. Maryland's in real dire straits right now. They've dropped a handful of games. They got their six win for bull eligibility last week, but this Maryland team is really looking poor and I'm not sure I'm rushing to trust them 
especially when Michigan all it takes is one turnover for that game to get really out of whack. I mean, we saw Maryland uh, just two weeks ago at a 51 to Penn State at home. So I don't know if I subscribe to that. Maybe, and this goes for both Michigan and Ohio State games. I do have circled the under for both games because maybe it's both defenses suffocate. They get the starters off the, the offensive starters specifically off the field and just it's running clock, 40 seconds off the play clock, run three times, punt, lean on their both elite defenses. I don't know if I trust either dog to cover, but I know I'm leaning towards the under in both games. I don't know if you're going to see explosives and I think you might just see a ton of running plays and hey, let's just get to next week and let's stay healthy. I want to move on to the NBA. We've got the first ever in-season tournament underway. We just had a guest on who said he bet the Pacers to win it at 15 to 1. Curious where you have your eye to win the in-season tournament. I mean, Brooklyn Nets got a big uh, point differential there against the Magic in a must-win spot. Uh, one by how'd I know that you how'd I know that you would take this opportunity to transition <laughs> to Nets talk? <laughs> That's going to help with the getting one of those wild card spots. Now, I, as this in season tournament starts to take shape, I do wonder if these long shot, uh, long shot ideas are getting a little far fetched, not to yuck someone's yum on taking the pace of that long shot. I just wonder if when push comes to shove, it's still going to be the top of the board, right? It's still going to be your Nuggets, Mm -hmm. your Celtics. Like the long shots are are fun, and I could see why the teams would be more motivated, but. I think from what I've seen, given this is not just an in-season tournament, this is like a commentary on the NBA, you're seeing a lot of teams trying night in and night out. You're seeing a lot less guys mm-hmm. taking the second night of a back-to-back off relative to last year with maybe the new rules on uh, awards and qualifying. So I wonder if when this gets into the knockout stages, you kind of see the cream rise to the, uh, the top here and you see your Bostons, your Denvers, all that uh, end up running away with it. So in terms of long shots, maybe it was more like group play stuff. But even then, I think stick to the elite teams. I don't know if there's like a ton of value in like taking a long shot like it would be in like the NCAA tournament or something like that. No, Reed, I completely agree with you there because in terms of, you know, my card, I liked group winners and I wanted to stick with yeah. that for that very reason that once you finally get everybody together and you have the best teams playing against each other, then the sample size gets bigger, right? And once it gets bigger, then you know the best teams are going to be playing well and they're going to try and all of those things. So absolutely, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I am curious though, like the Sixers lost to the Celtics last night. And it seems to me like when it comes to Philadelphia, how to handicap them going forward, that they had a really easy strength of schedule, at least up to this point. But maybe the Celtics are still that much better. Do you kind of see it that way where Philadelphia, yeah, they might win a bunch of games, go over the win total, whatever, but they are susceptible to maybe an early playoff exit just because maybe they're just beating up on bad teams? It's definitely possible. I am growing of the belief that I think the Sixers team is actually closer to your Boston and Milwaukee's than it would be to like the second tier. I think it's, it's becoming a three team race. I mean, uh, no, I, you guys are well aware of my thoughts towards James Harden, but really getting rid of him and not only getting <laughs> that off the team and all the baggage, but also opening avenues up to having more assets come trade deadline come that December 15th, when every player is eligible to be traded that was signed this off season. Not to mention, how about the coaching upgrade from Doc Rivers to Nick Nurse? You're going from what I think was a clear negative coach to one of the best coaches in the league in Nick Nurse. So I think Philly, 
I'm not going to say they're going to win the title. I'm not going to say they're going to win the East, but I think Philly's pushing up. And if you talk about a playoff series, you got Boston with Joe Missoula. We saw that went last year. Milwaukee's Adrian Griffin is off to a brutal start with his Milwaukee Bucks. I think coaching edge goes to Philadelphia in either of those matchups. So maybe the talent doesn't check out, but the coach can maybe minimize some of that edge. So Philly, I'm not like rushing to bat futures on them, but I do think that this team is actually legit good. Uh, as, as we get to February and March, we always have you on and talk college hoops. And a lot of times uh, we go over the futures portfolio. I know that portfolio is only one right now, and you're going to add periodically throughout the season. What is that one team you've already uh, taken some of? I, I bet Marquette 33 to one to win the national championship ahead of the season. Uh, honestly, college football handicapping is taking up a lot of my time. So it's, I'm easing into the college basketball waters, but this was a team that first of all is ranked like inside the top five, inside the top 10 in Kempom, uh, a veteran returning and like Tyler Kolek, who I think has like wooden award capabilities. I don't know if the record will be there as much in the crowded big East, but I think Big East is where you want to target these teams. We saw it last year with UConn, but the competition night in and night out is going to be very, very high level in the Big East. Marquette, two-way strengths on both sides of the ball. They shoot a lot of threes, which I like personally, but they could also take it inside. And, hey, it definitely made me feel pretty good that uh, they went on the road and beat a pretty decent Illinois team. So, uh, you know, I, I'm no, I know Jake Hassan was watching that, so it was nice for uh, my golden <laughs> to get a look at <laughs> Jake, I love it. He says, zip it, Reed. All right, before we let you go, we got about a minute left. Are there any college football plays that we have not touched on that you like or an NBA play tonight that you like? Uh, college football play I like. It's really gross, but Florida Atlantic plus nine and a half against Tulane. Go back and look at Tulane's record here. They haven't covered in four of their last five, and their one cover was a pretty fraudulent one against Memphis. I think... Tulane, they're really riding high on last year's AAC championship. They're 6-0 in conference play. They're ripe to get picked off here after struggling a bunch. I think FAU at home need both wins to go bowling. They're top 35 in PFF's defensive grade. And they could grind this game out and keep it within a score. So Tulane plus – or FAU plus 9.5. Good stuff. Reed Wallach, host of the Early Read and contributor with BetSided. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. You bet. Uh, shall we bring in Jake to uh, counter uh, what Reed was saying as far as that little Marquette-Illinois game and <laughs> how that went down? I'm good. He's got nothing oh. to say. <laughs> Silent treatment? Got nothing to say. <laughs> nothing? Yeah. Get, For once. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's just too much. Blake Snell wins the Cy Young last night, something we've been waiting for for months and months, and then, you know, oh. this Alana trash talk. He can't handle it, man. I, I get it. I get it's the pop with Gunnar Henderson. It happens once, and you know what? Now I just got to get humbled a little bit. I get humbled back-to-back right. days. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. Hair, haircut. It's growing Sports. in. Don't worry. All right, It'll Joseph. Turn. You know what? You know what? This segment is so over. Goodbye. <laughs> Maybe we have five minutes. Ah, uh, no, we don't. It's too bad. This is Matt All Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, let's be sharper about NFL rushing attacks. That's right here on the BetQL Network. <laughs> 